Well, good morning. Those in the balcony, good morning. Those on the floor here, good morning. Glad, glad you're here today. We finish our series stronger. Would you turn to Mark chapter 4, the Gospel of Mark chapter 4 today? If you have a Bible, smartphone, tablet, if you don't have one of those, you can uh, look to the Bible that's in front of you, and you can turn there to Mark chapter 4. We want you to learn and lead and read along. And then also, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you that Bible as a gift from us to you. Mark chapter 4, it involves a boat, not as similar as this boat, but for examples, we have one here on stage. And how many of you, by show of hands, have ever been in a boat before of some kind? Okay, you know, and, and some of you would say here today that you love a boat because you love to just... Uh, just motor on a beautiful into the sunset with country music blaring because country music is the best music and uh, uh, just to just to go and drink a beverage with some good friends and just enjoy good boating. Others of you, you really enjoy this. How many of you love to fish? Yeah, lots of fishermen here today that love to fish. Some of you love to fish so much you've invested a small fortune and fishing. You have live wells, you have tackle, you have uh, radar equipment that you can sense fish miles away in the water. You have, I mean, in fact, it's so much so that for every fish you catch, it costs $7,000 per pound. But it doesn't matter, does it? You're like, that's, that, that's worth every penny of it. But if you're like me, what you love about a boat is you love a slalom ski underneath your feet and a tow rope in your hands, and you're cutting back and forth across the wave on a beautifully flat surface with a beautiful wife watching you, cheering you on. That, that is why I like uh, boating. Well, in Mark chapter 4, we find the disciples in Jesus. They're boating. And we find really the context of where we're going to find ourselves today all within this structure. So would you look at it with me? Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and following. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now, here's the thing. Jesus had been teaching for a very long time. He had set off the shore into a boat so that more people could see him because the crowds had overwhelmed him. So he sets off the shore and now the crowds have dissipated or he is ready to take a break. And now they're going to cross over to the other side. Verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. They were also other boats with him. And then verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, the word furious actually can be translated megas, which means, and we get our word mega, big, enormous, huge, okay? So a massive, huge squall, and squall could be translated, one version could be hurricane. So a, a huge, mega hurricane hits this boat. Their lives are in danger. Let's keep reading. Jesus was in the stern, the back of the boat, okay, sleeping on a cushion, so you have this mega storm hitting this boat. And you have the disciples who are very good fishermen. They are freaking out. And Jesus is in the back of the boat. And he's got one of these 
that he's sleeping on, a cushion, a sailor's cushion, a leather cushion, probably what it was. That's probably the only thing that me and Jesus have in common is the fact that in the middle of a storm, uh, we're both sleeping. Uh, Many nights, my daughters will be up throughout the night, and I will sleep like a baby. At least that's what my wife thinks is happening. And, And you've got the same circumstance in the same boat, but you have two different perspectives completely. You've got one who's at the back of the boat, sleeping in a cushion, and you have the rest. Now here's another thing about some of you people here today, is the fact that you will not get into a boat with, without one of these. You won't do it, because maybe perhaps that you've had a bad encounter on a boat before, or, or maybe you can't swim. No one ever taught you. I, I remember when I was younger, I used to teach Uh, senior adults how to swim because nobody taught them how to swim. And so I really enjoyed that. But you just, you grab onto this with white knuckles and you will not let hold of this until you get back on dry land and you put that thing down and then you kiss the land once again because you are safe. And the reason why you wear a life jacket is because you are full of fear. Fear. That's actually the word that I want to dive into and talk about today. Everybody say fear with me. Yeah, the word fear. You know, there's a pop quiz. What is the most talked about subject in all the Bible? It's not the Ten Commandments or one of them. It's not the greatest commandment. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you'll love your neighbors yourself, even though that is the greatest. It's not the most talked about. The most talked about is do not fear. Fear not. Do not be afraid. And the reason why that we encounter this repetition throughout Scripture is because to be human is to fear. We're living, we're breathing, we are people so often of fear. Anybody remember Y2K? Show of hands. The power grids were supposed to melt down. The computers were supposed to fry. The world was going to end. And so we bought, we bought it hook, line, and sinker, didn't we? We bought generators. We bought enough food for five years. We bought big jugs of water, put them in our basements. The time came and the time went. We didn't even get to use our solar-powered microwave, did we? And some guy, one guy in Henryville's PC crashed. That was the only thing that happened. (laughs) To be human is to fear. There's one sociologist, he wrote a book on this, and he actually entitled The Culture of Fear. And he talks about how this life, this generation, this society, we will live longer than many generations have ever lived. There are more cures to more diseases than any time in history. We have the best life expectancy. We have an incredible life in general. And then he quotes this, no group of human beings has ever been more worried about their health than this one. See, we, we fear We fear about tough conversations. We fear about not living a life of purpose. We fear about changes. We fear about changes in our own life. We fear about changes in this church. Even though we want it to grow, we don't want things to change. There was actually some some fear that hit the green household this last fall. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and tears upon tears. And finally, our little would-be kindergartner said, Mommy and Daddy, I'll be home in three or four hours. (laughs) To be human is to fear, right? We all 
struggle with it. We all go through it. And it's, it's not a respecter of person or of age. So you have the disciples, and, and they're great boat, boaters in their own right. They understand these kind of storms. In fact, this lake was known for these kind of storms. And when these kind of storms hit, those were the ones that people would go down and snorkel to because they were the ones that had, people had died and the, and the boats had sunk. And so the fishermen are scared. They're terrified. And the, the, the rain is pelting them. And the waves are crashing over the boat. And they're taking on water. And it, the sump pump can't keep up with it. And they cry, look at it with me in the Scripture. And they say, Teacher, don't you even care that we are going to drown? If you want to highlight a verse or phrase, I would highlight, don't you even care? Haven't we all cried this to God, maybe in a moment of fear in our life? God, how could you let me into this situation? Don't you care? Or, or God, how can I be a single parent? Don't you even care? Or God, this one thing I was in charge of, it didn't turn out so well, and now I'm responsible for it. Don't you even care? Or God, my, my friends overseas are persecuted, or I'm persecuted here in this, this own, my own country. Don't you even care? Or friends, every time I, or God, every time I walk in the room, he or she forgets who I am and I have to reintroduce myself because the disease has taken their brain. Don't you even care, God? And we ask that over and over and over again. Friends, here's what I want to say. That in, when we look at fear in the face, so often we find ourselves saying these words, maybe to God himself, don't you even care? You know, and, and what's so interesting, as we look at Scripture in totality, what we learn is that we look at example after example after example of different people who face the same circumstance and you saw all the different reactions. I mean, I could name them off. I could name Noah. I could name Gideon. And we get to David, a little shepherd boy. He's pulling his wagon with lunch for his brothers. And they're there, uh, right there um, at the battle's edge. And all of the Israel's armies, they're all fearful. They're facing the circumstance that David is facing. And what happens? They're backed up. They're clenching the life jacket, aren't they? They're scared because this Goliath has got them pinned. And what do we see a little shepherd boy do? We see a little shepherd boy respond with a cushion in hand. You see, what we see happen so often is in the same circumstance, you see two different perspectives. You see one person react with fear, and you see one react to the same circumstance with faith. And I want to ask you, whether you're in the balcony today or whether you're here on the ground floor, how do you respond? When circumstances hit you, how do you respond? Do you find yourself with this thing on and it's been strapped to you for a long time? Or do you find yourself responding with this? So often the case, these circumstances come our way, but the different perspective will obviously, obviously tell the journey that is ahead. So look at it with me in verse 39 and following. Jesus responds. He hears what they say. He gets up. Maybe he's holding his cushion still in hand. And he says, quiet, be still. In fact, the original language it is, he says, be muzzled to that storm. Like 
you would to a dog with an owner muzzling a dog if the, if the dog is getting out of hand. He muzzles that storm. And here's the miracle. The miracle is not the fact that the storm subsides. Do storms subside on their own? Yeah, they do, right? But the fact that it, that it ceases immediately, that you have this Jesus ceasing a storm astonishingly just like this. It's over. He stands up in the boat, and then maybe you can just kind of sense it. He, he stands up in the boat, and he says that, and then it, walking past them once again, you kind of get the idea that he's got his pillow in hand maybe. And he says in verse 40, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, same situation, same circumstances, two completely different perspectives. Do you see that? One perspective has you crying all the time that the sky is falling. You're checking your phone, you're checking the stock market, you're checking the news. We just bombed so-and-so, and this happened, and that happened. How many of you, don't show of hands, but how many of you, when you saw that news, you just got a little fearful? You, you got this thing strapped on. In fact, people wouldn't recognize you without this, this thing. And then another circumstance says, it'll be all right. Because Jesus Christ is stronger. Well, the disciples, if they were terrified before, now they're even more terrified. And in verse 41, we, we find this. Look at it. They say, they were terrified and ask each other. Then now they begin to discuss things is, is that now it's peaceful. Well, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this man anyways? Instead of bringing a, a life jacket, he brings a pillow to the greatest of storms. And what has happened is they fully uh, comprehend who this Jesus is. They fully comprehend who this Jesus is and they begin to realize his full identity. And friends, I just want to share with you today that fully understanding who Jesus is is the number one investigation that we all must discover. Whether you're a, a Christ follower here in this place or whether you're a seeker here in this place, regardless of who you are, understanding this question is the center point of figuring out everything. And they discover that who this man is, is that he is stronger than their deepest, darkest fears. Can you imagine if you were a few years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you're huddled in a home, and you're scared of persecution, so you meet just a few of you by candlelight, and you read this gospel account from Mark, and you read these things, and you rediscover once again why you believe what you believe, or you're reminded once again of why you believe what you believe, and you're reminded of a few different things. The first thing you're reminded about is this, that Jesus is powerful. That even the wind and the waves and the weather are muzzled by him. You know, we just had a, a really bad storm not too long ago, just a few days ago, and some people were really, really devastated by that storm. Here locally, the schools were closed down early. Students, how many of you love the fact that they closed down schools early? And, and, and then nothing seemingly happened in the area. It was panic. We have all this mortar. We have all these electronics. We have all this might. We have all this money. But yet one storm brings us to our knees. But not Jesus. Paul reminds one church of this very thing in Colossians chapter, chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. He says, 
He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For all things in heaven and on earth were created in him, all things, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions, whether principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and all things are held together in him. You know, sometimes I think that we just forget about how big God is, how powerful God is, how vast He is, how incredible how He is, how awesome He is. We just need a reminder. Just a, a week ago, I was putting sand in my daughter's sandbox. And somebody gave us this sandbox, and I was looking at the exact 90-degree corners of the sandbox, and I thought, well, that's different than my do-it-yourself projects. They're not over 90 degrees. You know, they're a little bit of cockeyed. And as I looked at that box, I, I began to think about God, and I thought, you know, God, I so often put you in that box with my theology or my knowledge or what I think you are or who, who you think, who I think you are. I think we box God in all the time. We, 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 we put him around our neck like on a necklace or we put him on our mantle or we, we have some beads and we hang him up on our wall or we put them just in this room, in this room alone. Or we put these confines on him theologically and, and, and in every single way. And, and, and here's what we fail to recognize is that we don't have him in a box. He's got us in a box. See, there's no shape that God fits in. There's no geometry that measures his vastness and, and his power. That, that he is the totality of infinite wisdom, the totality of everything that comes to mind for every single one of us. And when we begin to discover this kind of stronger than God, well, then our fears, well, they begin to subside. They, they begin to change perspective. And when we begin to understand how powerful God is, it changes our reflection upon God, just like those disciples. See, those disciples reacted in fear. And the reason why they acted in fear is they begin to sense this awe, this terror, this reverential understanding of who God is. You know that 150 times in the Bible that people interact with this, the reverential fear of God. They discover who God is and they grow fearful. They almost get to the point where they just want to back up or put some distance between them and, and God. But what is so wonderful is when God senses that distance, he says, yes, I do demand awe. I do demand reverence. And yes, I am a powerful God. But he moves close to us. Not only is powerful, but second of all, we learn he's personal. Do you see that? He's personal. Jesus was approaching Jerusalem very at the, at the end of his ministry and it, near his Passover time. And he's approaching Jerusalem for the very last time. And in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 and following, we'll put it on the screen for you. We read these words. Now when they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples telling them, Go to the village ahead of you. Right away you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you are to say, the Lord needs you, and you will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Tell the people of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, unassuming and seated on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse 6, so the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks 
on them, and he sat on them. This would have made a lot of sense in this culture and would have said a lot about this God who not only is powerful, but then is very personal. He got close. He got intimate. He, he became, I don't know, he became personal. Here's why. He rode on a donkey. In that culture, warriors rode into town on horses. In that kind of culture, you came into a city as a king on a, the biggest, baddest thing you could find. But they all knew that peaceful servants rode into town on a donkey. And here you have the servant king riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And it's so amazing because the Mark 4 that we're reading out of, Mark in his gospel, if there's a phrase that really capitulates the whole gospel of Mark, it's the servant Messiah. In fact, his, his really his main center point verse in all of Mark is chapter 10, verse 45, when it says, He did not come to be, to, to be served, but to serve as a ransom for many. And you get that right there in Matthew chapter 21. And then we, we continue to read in verse 8, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those following kept shouting, Hosanna to the Son of God. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And as he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was thrown into uproar saying, get this, who is this? It's the same question the disciples were asking. And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. See, Jesus, he probably enters through this gate called the Sheep Gate. And the Sheep Gate was the very same gate that Stephen was probably stoned at that we read about in the book of Acts. But this Sheep Gate was where all of these filthy animals would come through. And so apropos that the, that the Jesus, the Lamb of God, would go through the very gate that a meager animal would go through. This big, powerful God. He gets small. He gets personal. And they begin to say incredible things. They begin to quote Psalm 118 when they say, Hosanna, Hosanna. And transliterated that word, it means God save us. See, what they were doing is they were recognizing who this Jesus was. Not only was he powerful, but they were, he was personal, that he was their personal Savior, that they recognized their need for him at that very moment, just like the disciples recognized their need for him right there in the boat. In fact, that's the one thing they did right, is they recognized the fact that they needed Jesus in that very moment. Let me ask you a question. Are you at a point in your life where you're getting close to admitting that you need him too? I'll bet some of you are. I bet some of you have been sitting here for a while and you're here today and you're getting close to saying, you know what, I need this Jesus in my life. Maybe it won't be today or maybe it will be, but maybe it'll be next week. I have a sense that some of you are and you're going to say, you know what, this Jesus is not only powerful, but he's personal and I can walk and have a relationship with him. <laughs> I, I, I love connecting with people that are on all walks or on all stages of their journey with Jesus. I love it. I was with a group of guys a while back, and they invited me to lunch, and I assumed that they were paying, so I went. And um, true story, all right? And so I'm hanging out with them, and, and, and one, one of them starts laughing. 
I said, what's so funny? And he said, you know what's funny is that, you know, I never thought in a million years I would be the guy that would enter the doors of a church, let alone start attending and becoming a member of this church. I said, that's funny? He said, no, what's funny is the fact that I'm sitting here with a preacher having lunch, and I'm paying for the preacher. And I said, you're right, never in a million years. But somewhere along the way, what happened was, he said, you know what, this Jesus is powerful. This Jesus is stronger. And you know what, this, this Jesus is stronger than me. And because he's stronger than me, and he's stronger than my sin, I need this Jesus. And that, that businessman, that tough-as-nails guy that I know, went from, I don't need no one, to I need the one. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today and you sense that you need that same personal God in your life. And you're tired of fighting it. And you need to come to the point in your life just like he did where he said, you know what, I know that I know that I know that he's stronger. And I know that I need him. And I know that I can't make it on my own. And he is the only way. And you know, when he becomes personal, transformation and hope and meaning sets the course in our life. And maybe it's today Maybe it's next week, but friend, you're close. And as we read in Matthew chapter 21, what we get the picture of is this was the first, this was the first Palm Sunday. Today we join the throngs of thousands of churches and millions of people celebrating this day, Palm Sunday, a traditional day, to celebrate Jesus entering Jerusalem. And we want you to enter this Holy Week setting things up for Easter like never before. The Super Bowl for Christ followers is Easter weekend, in my opinion. And what we would like to do is we just want to send you that, that, that link to our website every single day so that you can begin to prepare your heart. So I'd love for you to, to text 797979 and just write the word in your text box, Holy Space Week. And we'd love for you to sign up if you haven't already signed up. See, not only is God powerful, not only is God personal, but then he propels you to move toward your fear, to move you, to move you in faith toward your fear fear. And, and I want to show you what may be the most classic passage in all the Bible on how to respond to fear in your life. It's in Psalm 46, and, and, and we'll put it on the screen for you. And this is a guy who wrote this who knew about fear. He knew what it was like to face the greatest fear and storm in his life. And he writes these words, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will, fear, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and the foam and the mountains quake with their surging. See, the psalmist says, even when the earth is giving way and the waters are roaring and the mountains are quaking, we will not fear. And you know what? These were actually images in his day of when the nations were colliding. Do you know that? That right now in our country, in our world, the nations are beginning to collide. And as they begin to collide, we can say the same words that this man wrote about so long ago. And what does he say? That God is our refuge and strength and an ever-present help in trouble. But there's a decision here, right, that he makes. Therefore, we will not fear. Was that because the storms would be gone? No! The storms are right there in front of him. But he says, you know what? Therefore, we will not fear it, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Anybody show of hands know who Martin Luther is? 
Yeah, many of us do. He's a reformer, a very, very famous reformer. He wrote the words, a mighty fortress is our God from Psalm 46. He, that was his inspiration because Martin Luther knew this. There was no money, there was no power, there was no fame, there was no nothing that was stronger than this God and a refuge above all refuges. So could we decide as a community, those in the balcony and, and those here on the main floor, could we decide to be the kind of people that face every circumstance, not to cling to one of these, not to strap this on and hope for the best, but to hold one of these. That in every circumstance, no matter what circumstance we face, that we, friends, would only bring this for the journey. I was with a, my family a number of years ago, and uh, it was our family and another family, and we'd rented this real small little cottage because that's really all we could afford at the time. And it was our one vacation for the year, and we were all excited, and we had gone on a long car ride, and we finally get there, and everyone's sick of each other. And we get there, and we open the door, and we turn on the light, and there's bats in the cottage. And what do you do when there's bats close to you? You're like, ah, ah. And even though they're not going to hit you because they have incredible radar senses, it, 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 you know, and, and we're all screaming like little girls. And, you know, it's, it's it, it, no one wants to do anything about it. And it, honestly, in that moment, we all just wanted to step out of that cottage, shut the door and walk away and never go back. But my dad and my friend's dad, they get, they find themselves weapons and those are brooms. And they start swinging, trying to hit those bats. And they're hitting light bulbs, and they're hitting the wall, and they're doing all kinds of things, and they're swinging back and forth and back and forth. I just wanted to see what, I just wanted to see how she would. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. Now I did it. <laughs> Anyways, so... <laughs> If you, if you can't see in the balcony, I, our, our, our beautiful sign ministry down here, I had her going pretty good. So, But my dad, he, they finally hit those bats, and they, and they finally uh, kill the bats, and we get them outside, and we have the best vocation. And so often, that's exactly w the choice we have with our fears. We can look our fear. We can look at a circumstance, and we so often choose not to face it and move towards it, but we back away from it and shut the door. And when we shut the door, we miss out on all of the incredible things that are in front of us as we move towards that fear. And I want to ask you, would you take a step of courage today? Would you decide, would you, there be a moment when you say, you know what? God is my refuge. Therefore, though the mountains quake, I will step forward. I want to ask you a question. If you knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was stronger and he was with you, if you knew without a shadow of a doubt, what would be the one fear that you would move towards right now? What is it? Maybe it concerns your career. Maybe your career isn't what it, you thought it would be or you're failing to meet expectations or you need to have a hard conversation with your boss or what is it? What would it look like for you to move towards your fear with God by your side. Or maybe it's a hurt or a habit or a hang-up, 
And man, you, you've parachuted out of airplanes. You're the toughest guy in your, in your group. Or you're the toughest woman that anyone's ever met. And you're independent. But you have an addiction in your life. And you won't uncover that for anything. And maybe it would look like you stepping into our Celebrate Recovery group. Or maybe you calling up a friend and saying, you know what? I need to tell you something. I need to unmask something that's been going on in my life for a long time. Or, or, or maybe for you in this place, it's a decision that you have to make. Maybe for you, you know, you've calculated the decision, you've asked for good advice, and you've sought God's help, and you, even God is saying, yes, this is the way for you to go. And you know, right here in this place, God is saying, all right, now would you move towards your fear? Even if it's fearful, you need to take that step. Or, or maybe it's just the fact that you're really sick, and you're scared that you're really sick, and you don't even want to go to the doctor and face the news. But friends, that's even where healing can begin in our life. Or maybe there's a step in your spiritual journey that would broaden and deepen your spiritual life. You know, we all search for that, friends. What step will that look like? Maybe today is to follow Jesus for the first time, to say yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe, friends, it is today to say, you know what? I am a follower of Jesus Christ. It's time for me to get out of the boat. It's time for me to be baptized. It's time for me to go public. And you know what? Dozens of people on Easter weekend are going to be baptized right up there, and we'd love you to be a part of that. If you've never been baptized, would you just write down baptism on your connection card? We'd love for you to be a part of it. Or maybe it is to join this church, or maybe the step of faith is to join a group. You're like, you know what? I've been coming for a while, but I've never gotten into a group, and I've always wondered, are they a bunch of weirdos? Or what goes on in those groups? You know, what's going on? This is a great opportunity. Here's why. Because you know what? Everyone needs relationships, and maybe today it's your, your opportunity to connect in relationship, to not be alone, to not just be a number, but to, ha to, to have connection into this church called Grace on this community. Or maybe, friends, it is to step up and begin to serve in one of our ministries, to not only have a relationship, but to have a role in this thing, in this vision we, we have to see the neighborhoods and the nations and the next generation transformed. Or maybe God is challenging you right now to go overseas, to be a missionary, or to go overseas through your business and be a witness, or, or go in your local marketplace, or go to your neighborhood and to unleash compassion and to share Christ and to be his hands and feet. Or, or maybe it is to invite five people to Easter and bring them next week. And you're like, Ray, I'm an introvert, and I don't even know five people. In fact, I'm sitting all alone in this worship center right now because I don't like to be around people, all right? Friends, what would it look like for you to move towards that fear, knowing that Jesus is behind you? And you know what it looks like to really take a step of faith? It involves risk. So would you risk it today? Would you risk it today? You know, Paul would t tell his, his mentor, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1.7, he'd say, For God has not given us a what? A spirit of fear? He's not given us a spirit, but instead he has given us a what? And a sound Mind. So today, would we have that same heartbeat and not be paralyzed by fear? So what fear has paralyzed you today? Now, before we close today, I, I just want to show you the words of Jesus and show you the words of the psalmist and how they connect. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus would stand up in this boat and he would say, Quiet! What would he say? Quiet! Be still. But then we look in Psalm 46, 
And it says this, verse 10, be still and know that you're God. Do you, what are the two common denominators of those two passages? Be still. And even though that Jesus is standing up in the boat and he's telling the waves and the storms to be still, I think he's telling those disciples that day, you know what? You need to trust in the God who's stronger than in the middle of your fear so that you don't have to live your life like this so that you can live your life like this. And then he tell, and the psalmist reminds us and tells us today that we are to live this life trusting, trusting God and surrendering, be stilling and knowing and surrendering to this God who is stronger than our deepest, darkest fear. You know, as the praise team comes out and we sing one last song here in just a full minute, what I want to ask you this question is, what is that fear? What is that fear you're facing? And how is God going to propel you towards that fear? See, it's not just that God wants you to be comfortable. It's that God wants you to take a step of faith. You see the difference? We're reminded that there is a God who is stronger than, that he silences the storm, that the earth is his footstool, and that he says, be still and know that I'm God. Would y'all stand with me? Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? And just when, in a moment of silence, no one looking around, everyone just calm for a moment. I want to ask you this question. If you're facing a fear and God is asking you and you want to propel towards that fear instead of away from it to take a step of risk, of faith. Would you just pray this prayer just quietly with me? Heavenly Father, I know you're asking me to put down the life jacket and to pick up the cushion. Heavenly Father, you are stronger in the fear that I am facing. Help me to face it and help me to move towards it if that'd be you this morning and you say yep that's me Ray will you just raise your hand and say you know I just I just prayed that prayer and I am moving towards in faith that situation yes all around this world it personally I'll be, I'll be honest with you I've raised my hands in both services because that's exactly me as well now with our eyes closed and our head bowed today I want to ask you this question do you know Jesus personally I want to tell you this with your eyes closed, your head bowed, that, that we are sinners, friends. And we, there's no way we can save ourselves. And there's a holy God, and we can't have a personal relationship with him. But Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And he died for our transgressions. He died for our sin, and he became our mediator. And through Jesus Christ, we can be saved and have a relationship with Almighty God. And this morning, you can take a step of faith and begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how afraid you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter who's standing next to you or beside you or in front of you or behind you. It only matters what you do with this Jesus. So I want to ask you this question today. Would you pray this prayer with me? Would you meaningfully enter into a relationship with Jesus? Just to pray this just to God. Heavenly Father, 
Would you forgive my sins? Would you become the Lord of my life? Now, friends, when you pray that prayer, here, let me tell you, this is not just some small prayer that just your life is the way it is and you, you, know, you leave here and it's all the same. But this becomes a completely different life for you. That God becomes the center of your life, the Lord of your life, and everything revolves and goes through Him. And then would you pray this, Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Help me to follow you. Come into my life. Save me from the inside out. In your name we pray. Amen. If that's you today, with all heads, eyes and, eyes, and uh, heads bowed, would you just raise your hand up and say, today I prayed that prayer for the first time. For the first time, I asked Jesus to become my Lord and my Savior. Yeah, there's people here today that said that for the first time. That is awesome. Can we just thank God for these people that just said that for the first time? It's awesome. So friends, let's just all pray this together. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, you are stronger. You are stronger than my fears, my disappointments, my greatest hurts. And today I lean upon you and I move forward in your name. Amen.